Before we get going on today's show, guys, Green Mountain Dental Group, located in Lakewood. They're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area. Mm. A lot of us here at DNVR go to Green Mountain Dental Group. Some of us have gotten our wisdom teeth removed, gotten cavities filled, yada, yada, yada. It's an awesome experience there, and right now they're giving you guys a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Make sure to check them out. They're located just 15 minutes from downtown Denver, Green Mountain Dental Group, and they will give you a free Sonicare toothbrush today when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. What is up, everybody, and welcome in to the DNVR Nuggets podcast, off-season edition. Let's get some applause going. Let's get the crowd into it. The crowd's feeling it. All right. <laughs> I, miss, I miss the old sound effects board. I'm excited now. To <laughs> I'm joined with the usual suspects. I'm Adam Manez. I'm joined uh, with by Brennan Vogt. Hey, guys. How is everyone's vacation? Good to be back at it. <laughs> it's a solid Sunday. Uh, I'm also here with uh, the man with the wind in his hair, the Peloton Prince, Harrison. Man, the off season, guys. Isn't it weird how we're in the off season, but we don't know when the next season's going to begin? That is it's, weird. It's uh, weird. It's scary. I don't. I don't really know what to think about it. I hope we get clarity on that really soon because it sucks. It would be nice, that, wouldn't it? That previous. <laughs> well, that's like this. We already had a mid season. It wasn't an off season. It was a mid season, like four month break, and we never knew when it was going to end. I hope this isn't that way. I hope we know right away so we can like structure ourselves. But um. I'm also joined by D-Lanko. You know him as Eric. Uh, do you? Does anyone know me that like that? <laughs> um, I actually prefer uh, just walking through darkness and just waiting for the Nuggets and the NBA just to let me know what's going to happen um, well after the fact. Uh, that's that's a, how I've become accustomed to reacting, so I'm ready for it. Let's go. Let's go. Um, it's actually, so this is a very important and I think interesting offseason for the Denver Nuggets and there's going to be no shortage in my opinion of things to talk about assuming this offseason lasts like three months I think we have three months of content covered because there's a lot of I just there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen Um, unlike previous offseasons there's going to be I think a lot of players that need to just be signed or re-signed or new pieces added every season we've kind of gone into the offseason has been like okay they're going to add a guy and that guy's Tyler Cook and it's like, okay, this doesn't matter. But this year it's like, okay, they actually have to fill out the <laughs> roster and, uh, and make, some, make some things happen. But we're not going to get quite there just yet. First, we're going to look backwards because, you know, now that the Denver Nuggets, the this, this season has ended, I think it's important to talk about some of the big takeaways. And we've listed out 10 of our takeaways. I don't even know if takeaway is the right word because one of these is like not really a takeaway. It's just sort of like a, a – observation one of these is an equation blank equals blank yeah one of these is hey that's an equation exactly um but i think it's kind of good to sort of frame the uh frame the conversation on the nuggets and um talk about what this season means where they're at and all those different things so are we ready to get into this, fellas? Are we ready to talk about this? Does it feel weird? We, weird? Yeah, I mean, we've had we've had a, uh, the benefit of one day to uh, really look back and, and, and think about what. Well, well, <laughs> like, I, I'm not even ready for this series to be over, frankly. Well, like, I, it feels, I feels like we're supposed to be playing the Lakers tonight. Oh, we lost Harrison. He was about to say something really profound too. Look at look at, look at the <laughs> look on tell, his face. Yeah. There it is, Harrison. Yeah. You had something profound to say, as evidenced by your face. Up, oh, he's frozen again. 
Well, I guess I'll just have to step in here then say something <laughs> profound. Uh, no, I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm not. I also am pretty sure that the actual season would be starting in like three weeks if we were oh, on man. a normal schedule. This is like when you like stay up really, really late on a weekend <laughs> and then you sleep until noon and then like you're just off and you're like, hold on, it's nighttime, but I'm waking up. And hundred like, percent. This is what it feels like right now. The yeah, season's yeah. ending, but it's supposed to be media day. I would describe uh, myself as discombobulated. Ooh, I don't really know what's going on. It's Monday. It doesn't feel like Monday. Is it Monday? I don't. What, what you guys tell me? What's happening? It is. It is Monday. You are okay. right about that. Okay. The Nuggets well, usually have end of season meetings, and I don't know if we're getting that this year. I have a feeling Jokic is already in Sambor. <laughs> he shuffled his way out. Yeah, I don't think anybody really needed those or wanted those or had, had I thought about doing those. Are you kidding me? I oh the players in them. Yeah, of course they never want. Yeah, to like <laughs> I there's oh it, do, it doesn't matter what we want, Adam. I'm I'm talking about the players here. <laughs> it's so true. Well, I hope that we get to speak with Michael Malone and, and kind of just get his recap on what happened. Maybe it's one of those things where he went 70 plus days without his family and he was like, I'm not doing. I'm taking at least a week off before I talk to anybody. I support. Uh, that i support it too well deserved. yeah for sure well deserved we're gonna i want to get michael malone out to the dnvr bar odds we get him to the dnvr bar at some point i gotta I think it's 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 hovering around either 100 or zero percent i can't decide which <laughs> wow you're such a philosopher <laughs> man a mathematician um all right harrison did you have something profound i mean your internet kept freezing out but do you have something profound you wanted to say um i've been thinking of this list of 10 takeaways since uh game five third quarter of nuggets jazz so i've had these these thoughts percolating for quite a while but don't you feel like they've changed i mean a lot of my yeah no yeah yeah. on the fact that first takeaway is we need to make it to the second round of the playoffs (laughs) no i i I pre-wrote my kind of nuggets opus uh if they were going to lose that game five against the jazz and um i'm glad i didn't have to release that and nobody will ever see it and nobody ever needs to uh but i kind of want to see it 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 was it was semi it's our frauds (laughs) it's crazy how it changes like that probably would have it's such a results-based business they drop that game five same basketball team but let's say they don't get that eight second violation or whatever we're talking about who needs to go? This isn't going to work. Right. Oh and, yeah. and I think we're all going to write or think something or say something very different on this pod today. So I, along I, those lines, that actually leads us into this first, this first one, because what I have written on this list or what we have kind of written on this list is the Nuggets' 2019 playoff run, which was last year, was not a fluke. This is my first takeaway. <laughs> and it's funny because maybe it is like there was there were moments in game four where we talked about but to your point like it was on a razor's edge that nuggets could have lost but they squeak by the spurs last year in a seven game series they lose in seven games to a not so great portland team and there were a lot of people that said okay this team is a you know is a fluke they're not actually good or whatever the fact that they came back from two three one series and i think more importantly the fact that they beat the los angeles clippers and Kawhi leonard and paul george and out and the way that they did it outplaying them not not just, you know, you know, some lucky thing or this or that, but actually looking like the better team in that series to me validates the Nuggets' two-year run. And, and I actually, I think that, I think that's one, that could be the big, single biggest takeaway. It's not for me, but it's certainly one of. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to not look at this Nuggets team as we've been talking about um, with just the very literal linear progression that they're on um, that they're 
enjoying every year, year after year, and uh, say that it's anything other than, um, you know, a result of putting the right pieces together and allowing them to grow, allowing them to um, be the best versions that they can and like not being, you know, reactionary like uh, sports front offices tend to be because they have to be um, and just allowing, you know, the, the way that we always talk about basketball to unfold and have it unfold the way that we thought it would. It's like, just, it makes you want to like be, even more invested in this team for me anyway, it just seems like we're just involved in something that's uh, that's only getting better and better. It's an interesting exercise and what legitimizes a team, you know, that Clippers series, which is one series uh, changes the whole story. I mean, if you, you fall short there, or let's say you lose to Utah in round one, it is. Well, the Spurs were, were a bad playoff team. It is. Well, the Blazers were a conference finals team by default, no disrespect to a very good team, but that would be the perspective. And now I think it all adds up to, well, if you really break it down, these guys have passed multiple tests, you know, at increasing degrees of difficulty and and you can feel good about them as, as true contenders. Um, And I I just can't get past this idea that this was probably in them all along, but if a couple of breaks go differently, that's how we view Mm -hmm. this team. And to Eric's point, that sort of urgency um, sort of sets in on the front office and even ownership who've both been quite patient thus far. And also the Nuggets have to just feel really good about the path they went on in these playoffs because, I mean, like it or not, a a lot of people who were questioning just some of the core principles about this team, uh, like some of the narratives that have followed the Nuggets over the last couple of years and even stayed with them after the playoff run last year can just officially be totally dismissed now. Um, like the question about if Denver has a closer. Well, for two playoff runs now <laughs> against bad playoff teams in the Spurs and really good elite championship caliber playoff teams in the Clippers, they showed they have not one but two closers. Uh, right. You can't build a playoff defense around Nikola Jokic. Well, the Nuggets ended up shutting down, I think, two semi-elite to elite playoff offenses no. in, in the Jazz and the Clippers – no, nope, those uh, were elite. We can't rewrite history. Those two teams were top offenses during the regular season, and there's no reason to think that they shouldn't have been. And the Utah Jazz were, but it, the, it's not like the Clippers. Well, I just, oh, I just said just I, I, regular season. I, I said semi-elite to elite. Uh, yes, the Clippers were elite. No, we know elite, that. But, but no, I know. But elite. That's what I mean. They're they they were one two in the back half of the season. I just that's I, I'm only reiterating this. Or actually, I think two three Dallas number one. I'm only reiterating reiterating that because I think it's an important point that nobody else outside of us four is going to give this Nuggets team, but it's 100% true. They went up against elite offenses and their defenses looked good. Yes. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, And they looked good uh, around Nikola Jokic. So they Mm. they can also take a lot of sauce in that. I wonder, because the Nuggets now have four seven-game series under their belt, two, three, one comebacks, I wonder if all along we've talked about this a little bit, but all along the Nuggets just seem to not be able to blow teams out, and that's one of the reasons that their differential is never impressive. And I don't, I think part of the their next phase isn't just getting you know even further in the playoffs or whatever. I do think they need to develop the ability to blow teams out because at some point you can't keep going into seven game series. You can't keep (laughs) going into fourth quarters with the Atlanta Hawks. Like they have, there's something to them that they have to figure out. That's like, Hey, we can put teams away in the first five minutes of the fourth, not the last five. 
yeah, I think that this is all, <clears throat> this is just like one of these things where as Nikola Jokic goes, the team goes. Like, I, I just think that this is something like foundational to his personality for whatever reason. He is that like procrastination, uh, that, that student that procrastinates. He just, when his back is against the wall, he just rises to such a level that he's undeniable. But if it's a game that doesn't matter, I mean, all of his uh, Serbian brethren tell us this all the time. Like if it's, a, if it's a game that doesn't matter, like you can't really ever expect him to necessarily show up the way that you're going to want him to. So that's probably going to take, um, you know, some amount of Jamal Murray stepping up and, and really taking those right. reins and driving right. the team. Or, I mean, I, I just can't imagine Jokic changing the fundamental personality that he has um, and, and being able to just, be on all the time. I, I just don't know that it's something we can expect out of him, unfortunately. But I, I do love that, you know, when, when the chips are down, he, he shows up. But I do think that that it's is... way more important, for sure. It's definitely way more important. But I think, I, I think we have to look to, to, to players like Jamal Murray and, and you know, other, maybe M, even MPJ, uh, guys to come out and just start firing right away. And I think we view Denver as a certain type of team because of how they were built the right way, the organic way. But the truth is this is a team that thrived on top end talent. You know, Jokic and Murray are just good enough. And at times I think in the playoffs, the execution really just isn't there for Denver. I mean, things are a scramble, right? It's about effort on these live balls that maybe if it's Miami or Boston, they're just securing that ball. It's never live to begin with. Right. I mean, those, those teams just execute all the way through, uh, and Denver doesn't yet. And I'm curious, Wind, if you think, I mean, I, I guess I still chalk that up to youth. I don't know if it's part of this team's identity, a Jokic mm. thing. I'm curious what Wind thinks on this. The, the execution thing, I think a lot of it boiled down to, it felt like a lot of times in these playoffs, Nuggets were playing three on five or four on five. And, and it was really just the Jokic-Murray two-man game. I mean, like Jeremy Grant had some moments, uh, like Michael Porter Jr., Monte Morris, those guys had moments, but – uh, the core of this team and the core of its playoff offense still boiled down to the Jokic-Murray two-man game. And when they couldn't get something out of that, it was still a struggle a lot on offense. I think that's what a lot of the execution things boil down to. And that can change as soon as next season, you know, with MPJ kind of uh, set for a t potential ascension of his own. I think that can change mm -hmm. those types of things. If you guys are a first-time freshman looking to go to college for the first time, maybe you're looking to finish up your degree, make sure to check out MSU Denver online. Obviously, online classes are, in some parts of the country, the only way we can go to school these days. And MSU Denver online, they've got the online thing down. They've been doing this for a long time. Myself and Ali Monroy here at DNVR, we both took classes with MSU Denver online this past summer. It was an awesome experience. They have really good teachers who, like I said, know how to teach online. This isn't their first rodeo with this type of stuff. So they are super engaging. They want to help you. They want to help you learn. Uh, so they are super invested in what they're teaching. It was a great experience. Uh, so like I said, no matter what type of student you are, make sure to check out MSU Denver online msudenver.edu backslash online. You can see their entire course list there. Also, guys, we are covering the entire Colorado rugby space here at DNVR. Reporter Colton Strickler is keeping you up to date on all things American rugby with the DNVR Rugby Podcast. And you can find his written rugby content 
right on our site alongside all of our other Denver sports coverage, thednvr.com. It was announced that Infinity Park in Glendale will be the new official training center for the men's and women's USA Eagles 15 teams. That's an awesome development. That means Colorado is the place to be for rugby in the United States. So make sure you're keeping up the speed with us and Colton on the DNVR Rugby Podcast. You can download it today wherever you get your podcasts from iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. And again, make sure to check out all of his written content on thednvr.com as well. Number two on my list here as we move on, Jeremy Grant's importance as a fit next to the Jokic and Murray duo, and I would say even more importantly to the Jokic-Murray-Porter trio, I I think (laughs) there's no more questions. To me, it's like he's a phenomenal fit, and we thought that going into it, going now into an offseason in which it's not certain that the Nuggets will be able to retain him, I would call him now an essential piece of the team and a core member of what I predict is the Nuggets for at least a couple years to come. What do you what do you think, Bo? Got to bring him back. You have to. Um, you know, it's we, before Jeremy Grant got to Denver, we always wondered if Jokic and Murray get to this level, what do they do with the Kawhis, with the LeBrons, the point forward? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean they've never even had a good answer, let alone one by default. Yeah. And I think, you know, you're never going to stop those guys, but do you have a frontline defender that you feel comfortable throwing out there? With Grant, the answer is now yes. Um, I think he slowly learned how to play with Jokic throughout the season. And we've said this a million times on this show. He just fits in to both this locker room and the on-court identity. And if you're going to lean into this long boy thing, I mean, Grant's at the center of, of all of that. So, I mean, I think unless you're talking about, unless you're verging on Albatross here with, with whatever the next Grant deal is, um, it's essential. It's a must to bring him back. I think. Yeah. I mean, he was so clearly this team's third most important player throughout the playoffs. Just yep. <laughs> what he did defensively. I mean, from he went from guarding Donovan Mitchell to Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to LeBron James and Anthony Davis. It was just incredible. And the fact that he played the four his for the entire regular season exclusively, he never played any three and then plays <laughs> exclusively the three in the playoffs and shines and excels and doesn't look out of place. I don't know about you guys, but like coming into the season, I didn't think Jeremy Grant was like the end all be all answer to defending LeBron James to defending Kawhi Leonard. Like I looked at him as a four and I I thought that was still going to be more like Torrey Craig's role to be quite Mm -hmm. honest when we came into the season and even with how the regular season went with Jeremy Grant playing the four. Um, But now, I mean, this guy looks like he can be a three. And the part about how he fits with Michael Porter Jr. is so big in this. Yes, he's a great fit with Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. But the fact that him and MPJ complement each other in a lot of different ways, I think offensively, defensively, rebounding, um, that is really going to help this team going forward because those two at the three, four can be interchangeable in a lot of ways. I, I love that you say they complement each other on rebounding because one rebounds and one doesn't. That's how they complement each other. <laughs> and they complement each other yeah. defensively because one defends and one doesn't. So <laughs> together, perfect compliment. Yeah. They're, they're a hell of a player. But there, but you are right. Yeah. You're also not wrong. That is that is correct, Eric. The other thing about well, I was surprised. Oh, good. I was just going to say, I was surprised at how much we became reliant on his offense yes. as the playoffs started to progress on. I mean, that, that's definitely something I didn't anticipate. I really envisioned Jeremy Grant just coming in to sort of uh, 
pick up the slack for Jokic, um, help him as a weak side defender, help him to defend the rim, um, which we got a little bit of, but really he became like a, a like a really important perimeter defender. Yes. Like exactly what Wind is saying. He became a three. Um, I wonder what that would, would have looked like had Will Barton still been. We might not have discovered like it. it. He, yeah, we probably wouldn't have seen it, but it was strange to me. And it was our, I mean, frankly, it was a little jarring how much we absolutely needed his offense going down the stretch. You know, you, you were kind of hoping you would get uh, something out of um, Gary. You were kind of hoping you'd get a little bit more out of MPJ um, just from a reliability Paul. standpoint from Paul Millsap. Um, and Jeremy Grant, I mean, he's just so versatile that he – filled in a lot of cracks um, that I didn't necessarily anticipate us seeing. So from that standpoint, he's just so valuable in that he can do so many things. Although I don't think that he's irre- irreplaceable from that standpoint. Like I can imagine a world in which, uh, you know, we do have Will Barton coming back next season. He provides a lot more scoring. Um, if we, if Jeremy Grant, you know, suddenly becomes way too expensive for the Nuggets to be able to add him. Like, couldn't we find just a, a straight up defensive specialist that can um, sort of fill that? But role? I think that's uh, one of the things know, about like, Jeremy is that he's not just a defensive specialist because the Nuggets it's have true. defensive I mean, he's specialists. It's just like, man, we can't afford to have that player out there on the other end. But yeah, that's my point. Is that I I think that we can construct a Jeremy Grant from like two or three players yeah. um, if we can't afford him. I don't think it'd be like the end of the world if we couldn't sign him. But I I mean we. I would really, really like to have him come back. So I was looking at like John Hollinger was talking about some potential contracts for him. And the number was a lot lower than I think what most people thought. I think he had something in the like 10 to 12 range, which I think he has that player option for nine and a half. It's hard. I don't, we'll probably get into this more in detail as we, you know, as we get into the off season, just what to expect, what are some of the options with him? But um, I don't, you know, he's still a role player. Like, some people have been throwing out the like 20, you know, 20 plus million dollars. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, he's not really a guy you give the ball to, you know, you you kick it out to him and he cuts or something, but his driving, he had a couple drives in the playoffs and they really stood out because it's not something he does very often. So, um, I mean, he had like maybe a dozen drives one-on-one plays in the playoffs and all dozen of them made it feel like it was a lot, but it's actually not that many. Um, Athleticism is another thing we don't talk about. This Nuggets team was pretty unathletic prior to this season you add Michael Porter Jr. and you add Jeremy Grant and all of a sudden just those two guys turn you into a semi-athletic team and it gives you kind of that look of I think I think having extra athletes around the edges of, of the Murray Jokic two-man game is like super valuable yeah um so I don't know Jeremy Jeremy's breakout is, is huge what you have something else I would just say about like his upcoming free agency in the contract I was looking at the teams today that have like a lot of cap space and, and could like throw a huge offer out there for Jeremy Grant. And, and this is something you got to feel good about if you're the Nuggets. The teams with a ton of cap space are like the Knicks, the Hornets, the Pistons, and the Hawks. Most of the teams with a ton of cap space are yeah. your quote unquote rebuilding teams. And I mean, if I was rebuilding a team, like Jeremy Grant is an awesome like locker room guy. He's a great guy to you know have on a team that's rising up the ranks. But I don't know if I want to like commit a ton of money if I'm looking for like a number one or number two guy still. If I'm those rebuilding teams to a Jeremy Grant, it is crazy too that I I wonder how we would be talking about him had 
um, we not made it out of the first round or if only made it through the second. Like I felt like his star was just on a steady incline as the playoffs went on. Like and he really, really shined in the Lakers series, especially just because we had like the two towers that we had to do. We had LeBron and Anthony Davis and it was two players that he actually matched up really well against. Um, in the first two rounds, I mean, I, I was, you know, I was, happy with him but i wasn't like over the moon with him like i was after the lakers series where he was then also dropping 17 points 18 points a game and um so it's interesting i don't know i mean it's it's what do you uh, think about his growth because he's still a young player i think was he 26 i believe or 27 i maybe you could fact check that for me here but he's still young and he was a guy that has he's almost reminds me of a covington which is funny because he comes from they both come from philadelphia but in that they were very raw coming in bounced around teams so like while they're developing maybe not necessarily allowed to shine in their development because yeah. they're taking on different roles and i wonder if he does find a home first of all i wonder how important that is to him to be like okay i've bounced around I've only been like one and a half years each place i go maybe to actually be someplace for three or four years would be nice but also if just the nuggets knowing him maybe can utilize him a little bit more and some of the talents that he's starting to develop like putting the ball on the floor it happened across those playoff series. I mean, I think he started the playoffs as a spot up shooter. And I think yeah. by the Lakers series, he was getting to the line. He was cutting. Um, he, he was just finding a way, finding ways to add to his in-between games, scoring between the rim and the three-point right. line. And I also think he comes from OKC, to your earlier point, Adam, a place where he like he's such a young player that was asked to do two things. Right. And, and so did that unlock stuff from him. And I think for a lot of these guys – they're past a talent threshold. A lot of it is sort of confidence and comfort. And, and, and we saw that develop in Denver. So there's an argument to be made that, you know, while he wouldn't be the first, second or third option as MPJ comes along, this team still needs him to do more than be a glorified role player. And, and I also think, I don't know how many other teams are going to view Grant. Like, I think if you're Denver, it's actually realistic to say we view him as a championship piece, given mm. what we have around him are the other teams going to view him that way? Like when was saying, um, I, I can't, it's a really short list of teams that might. And, and so I do think if you're Denver, you feel good from that perspective. Yeah. Let's move on. Number three here on our list. Um, this one's a downer. Gary Harris is not a reliable offensive weapon. So Gary Harris has two a plus years as an offensive weapon. Some people thought the best nugget on the team at one point It's kind of crazy to think. And then he has two years now, the most recent two years where he doesn't look like he's a reliable shooter, let alone scorer. I mean, Gary used to be an like incredible dunk on you type athlete, right? I mean, posterized people no. finishing around the rim acrobatically and then knocking down three pointers. So you get red hot. Now you look at him and you go, there's nothing he does that I feel confident about when he touches the ball. And after it was one year, you thought maybe it's injuries. It's two years now. And even if it is injuries, two years, I don't know. I just feel like the book's kind of been written. Them. Am I being too harsh there, Wynn? No, I don't think so. And the tough part about it is like he came into that Utah series and just totally changed. Yeah. Like, like the Nuggets don't beat Utah. I mean, f forget the game five heroics of Jamal Murray for a second, but they don't beat Utah if Gary Harris doesn't come in in game six and is just an absolute force defensively. But it definitely seemed by that by the time game five of the Lakers series rolled around, Denver kind of lost their trust in him on yeah. that end of the floor too. Great, great uh, he, point. He wasn't out there at the end of games. Yeah. It was Monte Morris instead a lot of times. And mm. 
that that was the biggest downer for me about how the season ended for Gary. Like he was so good defensively right when he got back, but then, you know, another round or two in the playoffs and it's like the scouting report got out on him again. And that Utah series is almost like a hand pick series for his value to just shine through. Right. Um, yeah, that's yep. the type of guard that he would shut down. But those earlier concerns, I think the four of the four of us have raised. He's not necessarily big enough for the elite wings, right? He's not a guy that's necessarily part of a, a switch everything defense or anything like that. It reared its head in that LA series. There was kind of nowhere for him to be utilized, and and that as as Wynn says, then he's not even closing games. So um, I do think you're going to run into more Clippers and Lakers that, than Utah's, and it's something to consider. Um, you know, I, I don't think if Gary Harris is starting in your starting lineup next year, um, I don't think you feel great about how the offseason went. It's crazy because he was Mr. Nugget, too. <laughs> like, so there, this does feel like the uh, the final. This playoff run was so fun in part because there weren't expectations. I mean, we like to talk a lot about like nobody believes in the Nuggets. Nobody's picking the Nuggets or talking about them. But this was the fun year. Next year, some people probably will be. Mm picking them yes. and, and even if they're not picking them it'll be one of those things where it's like okay a lot of teams have gotten to the to you know right there to the base of the mountain not not that many teams have climbed it and so there is a sort of feeling of this was the last innocent year the final innocent year and next year becomes tough and maybe to get to the tough parts you have to do tough things like moving on from a guy that is the most tenured nugget um what do you think there eric do you think that the nuggets have to move on from getting have might be a strong word yeah. but um well i mean time to move on from Gary? i mean he's under contract for what two more years or is it just this next two year more seasons so you're talking about trying to trade him correct um I mean, if the Nuggets make a trade this offseason, him and Barton are the two contracts right. that that bring back a player that uh, good players usually have. Tr- well, I mean, a lot of it comes down to like, you know, what what are we able to get in exchange? Because there's a lot of intangibles that come with it with a player like Gary Harris. There's a lot of like, um, especially the way um, we're talking about this team being formed and the way the the, the strength of this team being its cohesion and its continuity um, that. You know, like you, like you're saying, like, are is it the end of innocence? Is it the uh, we get to the point where it becomes like a cold, hard, transactional uh, business type team the way the way that most teams in the NBA are run? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's tough for me because the Lakers are an especially ginormous team. They're like a really, you know, like they yeah. they 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 make a, a, they, they dwarf a lot of teams in the NBA. Um, they they make a lot of players. They, they pre- present a lot of mismatches. Gary was just sort of like an unfortunate uh, byproduct of that. He looked really great in the two series that preceded it. So he was very valuable. Um, offense is just such a strange thing. You know, it's so based on confidence. There's, just, there's such a dark art. Like you don't know what it is to get it, what it is to lose it. Um, you know, there were times where he was stroking it, where he was he won a game or two for us by hitting three three pointers down the stretch, and um, it was amazing. But it certainly proved to be not reliable. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I I would be reticent to to get rid of a Gary Harris. Um, there's yeah. there's so many teams that you'll face in the during the regular season that he's going to be absolutely the right guy to shut down the guy from the other team. That um, right, it's just like. Especially in the regular but if we're season, just yeah. we're just There's looking at the like the La- can can we get by the Lakers relying on that's well, kind of where they're not, at. No, no, no. 
Let me, let me hold on. The, Clip, the Clippers, who they got by, but again, I don't think it was because Gary Harris shut down Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Those guys had terrible game sevens, but Kawhi Leonard was very good through games one through six sure. in the series. He was A lot of people yeah, said yeah. the MVP going into game, into game seven. You got Luka Doncic, a big, another just big, like the league's getting big, right? These guards yeah, are Yeah, but Luka doesn't like tower over Gary like, uh, you know, LeBron James does. It doesn't matter. If you go into a series with Dallas next year, do you feel confident saying, oh, don't, we're not – we're not as concerned about Luca as most teams because we have Gary Harris. I mean, I don't know. I watch Gary Harris. Yeah, I watch Dame Lillard. Obviously, he's much smaller coming into coming to Denver, scoring fifty point game after fifty point game, and I watch Gary absolutely shut him down. Like, can he do that Those to Luca? Right. Though. Like, can he do that to Luca? Like, I, I don't know. Like, we, I don't know that we saw it this year. Did we? Did we see that matchup ever? He did. He did have one. He did have one actually early in the year where it was Luca was part of that run where he was shutting yeah, down right. stars. But that's a different. That's a different thing than than a seven game it is. series. It, it, it absolutely is. But it's, if you're asking me, can we? Do we need to have a two slash three that we can rely on offensively as a in addition to their defense? You know, if that's the if that's the question, like then unfortunately, yes, we have to move on from Gary Harris, but. And, and what's the margin? Like, for all of you guys, would you be, just hypothetically forget salary cap, like, if it was Marcus Smart instead right. of Gary, you still have that defensive tenacity. Do you trust him a little more on offense? I know he's not a great player on that side of the – but, like, what is this threshold we're hoping to clear, right? right? Uh, especially See, that's for a player the thing is Gary's you. shooting would be one thing if he was just, like, able to run pick and roll like he used to or getting those backdoor cuts mm. like he used to. And it just – all that right. stuff is dried up to the point where I'd, it's not that I don't – think he can get it back i don't it's just that i don't expect right. it and there's never a moment where i'm like "Ooh, the ball's in gary's hands he's just gonna save right. us in this it's position. so true right. it's so true and so yeah and it really really i mean this last series it just really really became evident that in that specific matchup i mean he was he was all but useless which is you just can't have uh, yeah, first, guys, make sure to check out the Avalanche Amber from Breck Brew. If you don't know where to get Breck Brew, check out the Breck Brew Beer Locator located on their website. You can track down Breck Brew wherever you are uh, throughout the country. There's always Breck Brew near you guys. And also, we just had this tournament on WGT this last weekend. I still can't believe we actually gave away cold, hard cash uh, for participating in this tournament. But the, the, a lot of cash too. Yeah, two hundred dollars for the winner. For the winner, this winner? close to the pin challenge. One of, here, I'm gonna pull it up. I'm gonna pull it up while you're talking. One hundred dollars for salary. second place. Uh, DNVR swag for third place. I mean, this is the type of stuff we do here for you guys. So. Nick Nick Denver won two hundred dollars yeah. for playing playing in our some WGT. some <laughs> random dude in Denver named Nick <laughs> just hopped on WGT <laughs> and literally this close to the pin challenge. It probably took three minutes to get through you won two hundred dollars amazing uh, dangerously close to the the real perks of the job here with the merch and the two hundred dollars totally yeah uh, but make sure to download wgt from uh, the app store and search for the dnvr three country club and maybe you can be like nick in denver what else we got that's it where do you threw two ads that is oh, yeah, the first did. break of ads. <laughs> wow. We've literally so been doing off. this for an entire yeah. year. <laughs> we had one day off. <laughs> wow. we, we did just Rusty's celebrate the anniversary of DNVR, uh, the year anniversary of DNVR, I think. I think that calls for a... <laughs> <laughs> lasers, lasers. <laughs>
All right, number four on our 10 takeaways list here. The Nuggets moved on from Malik Beasley, Wancho Hernan Gomez, and Jared Vanderbilt. We talk about the end of innocence. The Nuggets moving on from Wancho. Talk about killing your children here. Our beautiful child, our sweet Wancho. But it is important because I felt like, and it's going to become even more real, you know, this offseason when Torrey Craig's a free agent, Plumlee's a free agent, Paul Millsap's a free agent, like the, maybe a trade's on the horizon. Noah Vonley also a free agent so it's gonna it's gonna feel even more real that the team turn moves on but this was the year that changed for me Denver being a young team with tons of assets to no that no longer being the truth and those three guys whether you thought they were long-term pieces of the team or not they were and I'm not saying this callously guys it's just the fact of the matter the business transaction the NBA transaction the Nuggets don't have nearly as many assets as they once did those guys, you always wonder, like, okay, if they're not long-term, you cash them in and get something. Well, I don't know. We don't, Nuggets got basically a first-round pick, a uh, late first-round pick out of it. So, I don't know. I'll go to you, Eric. You're shaking your head. You look a little dis- discontent. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, this is the part of the, of the job for the front office that you start to really – like, this is the, the progression of – making the right moves to build up um, a war chest essentially of assets like you're talking about. And now we're getting to the point where you have found your core. Um, And, you know, I thought before we thought we had a three man core, we we were including Mr. Nugget Gary in there. It sounds like maybe we've kind of moved off of that. Uh, But Nicole Jokic and, and Jamal Murray are the, you know, undisputed core of this team. And now it's about, finding all of the right complementary pieces to put around them and having the assets and having the, um, you know, the, the ability to, to, to find those players. I mean, the, the, this front office is just absolutely phenomenal when it comes to the draft. Like we just find, you know, gems at all levels all the time, but you know, now we're getting to the place where we need to be very strategic. It's not about necessarily bringing in uh, the next wave of talent. It's about, getting the right i mean this is the next step if we're talking about not skipping steps it's you get your team you get the 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 core of your team set and then you find all of the all of the right pieces and just like i said all the right pieces to put around them and so this is a very interesting transition point Uh, uh, you know this is a fork in the road for the front office and i'm really interested to see what they do moving forward like you know we have to get shooters around Nikola Jokic it's really no other option um, moving forward like we so and two of the guys they traded away were absolutely. shooters in Wancho and Malik Beasley but you know one thing and, and this came out and I don't want to pile on the guy there's also you know anytime a new news report comes out you got to wait for all the facts but Malik Beasley got yeah. himself into some trouble this weekend and when I saw that and I saw so he gets a- arrested he was arrested yeah. right yeah, arrested, Correct. and there was like a marijuana charge, which is like whatever. Okay, yeah. But then there's Stolen also that apparently he had a, a weapon, he had a gun, and then and then on top of that, they found other guns or something in his I think, the gun, his I think one of the guns itself was stolen. Yeah, a stolen gun. So here, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't want to. I don't like when we throw people under the bus after they're no longer part of the Nuggets. But the one thing I'll say, and I think we alluded to this at media day and, and around the start of the season, when I saw that report, I was not surprised. That's the best way right. I could. That's the best way I can say that. Yeah. Am I wrong here, Harrison? No. Were you surprised? Um, I, I mean, it, it, a little surprising, but like th- there have been events with Malik like throughout his time mm. in Denver that 
you know, maybe weren't so necessarily crazy. leading up yep. to this, but we're, we're leading up to something of this vein. Right. Um, yeah, it's tough. Uh, like Malik is the one guy in that trade that obviously could have helped them in this playoff run. Like yeah. he could have been the guy that was out there at the end of games instead of Monte Morris in that Lakers series. I think that very well could have been Malik. And, uh, you know, that's what trading him at the deadline hurt because it's interesting, man. Like, I always think about this. If the Lakers had Malik Beasley, Juan Charanon Gomez, and Jared Vanderbilt at the trade deadline, would they have dealt those three guys for a first-round pick, or, or would they held on, hold on to them and just for the outside chance that one of, the, one of them could have helped in the playoffs? They probably would have held on to them. But you know, that's just kind of how the NBA works if you're a team like Denver. Uh, compared to if you're a team like the Lakers, uh, you, you've it, it's the right, right business decision for Denver to cash in those chips for a first round pick. Where it's probably the right business decision if you're the Lakers to hold on to those guys. True, and I don't it, know it, if Malik Beasley would have made the Nuggets win the yes. championship this year. I mean, that's your real question. So that maybe he would have. I mean, look, I I firmly believe the Nuggets did a great job defensively on the Lakers, a good enough job to get the to get it done. If they would make shots, you saw the statistics that they, that Seth part now tweeted out Denver shot like 25% on wide open threes in the Western conference finals. You have to imagine Beasley helps tilt that, but at the same time, any minutes that he played in that first round series, make the nuggets worse defensively, not better. Probably I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me at the end of the day, they, they made it to the conference finals and I don't know if I'm going to sit here and say, well, if they just had Malik Beasley, they, you know, yeah. they don't get gentlemen swept by the Lakers. Maybe it's possible, but that feels like a bit of a stretch. I mean, I think to me, because you're sort of viewing these guys as former assets, I mean, I guess the bigger gripe would be the mismanagement of them in their time in Denver great, great and what point. they yielded, what they yielded, because that late first probably isn't good enough for guys that add up to something that can maybe move a needle a little bit for some teams. And so that's probably the issue. Yeah. Um, but really at the end of the day is Malik there and they lose in six to the Lakers and now he's walking into free agency. So, I mean, yeah. I don't really want to kill the trade because I, I think at the end of the day, they got to where they needed yeah. to be. I, well, I, I do think it's important. <clears throat> to we, we, we all think this team has been built in an incredible way and the front office has done a great job, but it is important in my opinion to criticize this because the Nuggets now have Michael Porter Jr. and Bull Bull, two, two guys that, in theory, can propel the Nuggets to being this incredible, you know, th those are four superstars on the Nuggets roster now, not just two. But, in, you know, there's also the, the fact of can you afford all the guys? If not, when's the right time to move on? When do you – what is selling at the peak and how do you get the most value for it? And to me, that's going to be one of the big, big questions between now and this time 365 mm -hmm. days from now because the Nuggets don't have, in my opinion, a great track record of trading off those assets for value. I mean, Nurkic is the other one. Um, is there any other players that the Nuggets have sort of like risen up and then moved? I don't well, think the, so. the only like really positive... Moody. Yeah, Moody, well, the, uh, Aaron Aflalo, uh, who they were able to move and get a first-round pick and Will Barton for uh, was... But that was a finding, a pro, like at the time, people were like, ooh, Aflalo is going to win the championship for the Blazers, yeah. not Barton is going to become a piece of the core right. of the Nuggets, well, yeah. right? They, that was them trading off a name and a player for a secret, you know, to, to get in value. That they're good at. Yeah. They're very good at identifying the 12th guy on a roster that might be good.
I think I mean Nurk, Nurk right? Yeah, Sorry. I just think the criticism is more of just holding on to the the guy for too long, like a, a Gallo or a Wilson Chandler or a Farid, yeah. and then eventually, you know, by the time that their time is obviously up in Denver, they have very little trade value. Um, where, right. where they, yeah. you know, had more value uh, before, but you know that's tough. That's tough when you're rebuilding a team. Gary Harris is an interesting test case here too, because two seasons ago, Gary Harris was like highly coveted he was like the central piece in a lot of like kevin love trades and this or that and i'm not saying they should have traded for kevin love but there's a very easy argument to make there too that sell it you know trading off gary harris two or three years ago would have been the best possible time to have moved on from him and it's just tough to those things are tough to say but it is pertinent because the nuggets are coming up on another one of those speaking of another fringe guy that the nuggets had discovered pj dozier this number four on five on our board Mm. here pj dozier He's a player. The Nuggets found another guy. I mean, the Nuggets have found the Tory Craigs, the Monte Morrises, you know, some of these guys. The Will Barton is another one of those ones. I guess Monte Morris was their draft pick. So, really, Barton and Craig are the two. And then Terrence Davis was another one that they had to move on from because they had too many of these guys. P.J. Dozier now goes in that list, undrafted, bounced around. Other teams had had him. He'd been in the G League. They find him. To me, he's not just a – he's an NBA player. And I actually hope he's a part of the Denver Nuggets because I actually – I want to see him in Denver. Um, he maybe changes the equation for the Nuggets going forward too. Yeah, well, Denver has a has a interesting decision to make with their backcourt because Monte Morris is on a non-guaranteed deal next year. He's up for an extension. I mean, I, I think he's obviously somebody that Denver would love to re-sign for a like manageable but also tradable contract. They can bring him back and roll with a Morris-Dozier backcourt on their second unit, but also flip Morris if Dozier just comes in and, like, he's obviously the better player and the guy they want to be playing at, like, that backup lead guard. Um, But, yeah, I'm with you. Like, Dozier, I've said this ever since they kind of unearthed him, but they've never had a guy who has his size of – or his combination of length, size, pick-and-roll ability in the backcourt. So – he's kind of what the Nuggets have never had. And like Gary, like Monte Morris, he's just a Denver Nugget in like every sense of the word. I just remember his his first game for the Nuggets. He had like double figures off the bench against Charlotte. And he just gives this like commanding post-game interview in the Nuggets locker room. I'm sure you guys remember that. But like at that moment, we were like, yeah, uh, this guy's, you know, this guy's probably a player. Monte seems like the guy that makes everything more fun for everybody. And I'm, the Nuggets are short on those guys. They don't have a lot of them. I think Monte Morris is one of the bigger personalities. And, like, anytime there's videos behind the scenes or we see this in the locker room sometime, he's the one teasing guys. He's the one hype. Like, he's Jokic's hype man, right? Him and Barton. They're always just, like – and that kind of stuff is really important. I just forget about the basketball part of it. That kind of stuff is really important. And then on top of that, he sort of – he also sort of signifies the Nuggets' MO, mm-hmm. second-rounder did it the hard way, went to the G league for a year, had to come up. So he, he also was a Mr. Nugget. Mm-hmm. You already know what I'm going to say. He's a, he, uh, you know, PJ's a long boy. Like he fits right in. Yeah. And I think you either want long athletes with defensive upside or like pure shooters around yoke, you know? Um, and, and I think Dozier is the kind of guy where you could trust to fit into that, that length identity on defense, but also a guy that, okay, if he learns how to cut off of Yoke, you know, Monte really got good at that, but PJ's bigger and taller and stronger. Yeah. Um, and, and he could be a Smart real threat player. as an athlete off of an elite playmaker. So 
this emerging identity of the Denver Nuggets, PJ fits right in. Eric, what, what percent would you put on that you know what you get from PJ? Because he's still kind of a mystery, isn't he? I mean, do you feel like if the Nuggets were like, all right, he's our guy, you know what you get from him? Um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> he's, he okay. comes in and he – You've seen enough. He, he come, he, I mean, he comes in every time and, and, and positively affects the game every single time. Like, he sometimes will make uh, spectacular plays. Um, you sometimes will miss free throws. <laughs> but um, <laughs> there's just – you know, th- th- there is something uh, to just being a big player, <laughs> like just being a tall player, being a long player. Like it's the, the, the formula again that the Lakers are rolling with. Like they have all of these like cast offs and, and, and guys that you wouldn't necessarily think to put on your NBA team. But when you put them all together and they're just taller than a lot of the other guys, like that sets you at an advantage to begin with. And, um, you know, like we came up with the nickname PJ Composure for a reason. Like he just, he comes in, the game doesn't seem big, too big for him at any point. Like the minutes yeah. that Malone put him in, um, the incredibly high leverage moments that uh, PJ, he felt comfortable with PJ Dozier uh, coming in. And not only did he just come in, he um, shined. Like he, he really, you know, uh, impressed during big moments in the playoffs. Like I, you just can't get rid of a player like that. Yeah. Or if you do, but maybe he also becomes a trade. I don't think he's quite a trade asset just yet because he hasn't played enough, but he's another one. They signed him already. So he's another one that next year you get into a tight spot. You say, Hey, look, PJ Dozier's awesome. He's on this $1.5 million contract. So we'll throw him. Yeah. But we're definitely like, we're in the point of the conversation with the Denver Nuggets that you need to have big time players that step that, that, that can, uh, that don't wilt in the, the, the big uh, bright lights. And, um, you know, that's incredibly valuable. You see a lot of guys that just really shrink when the, the moment gets big. And um, to see somebody so young do that, yeah, it's, it's... Yeah, I think Monte was a good option and stepped in admirably, right? As a secondary ball handler, something to help Murray get free. There was no Barton. But even when he's in the right spot, he's too small on defense. And so you're making these sacrifices where, in theory, Dozier is a lower floor, higher mistake player than Morris. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. Um but with that defense, if he refines his offensive game, this is a secondary ball handler where you don't have to leverage that defensive impact or identity. And I just think that's going to matter more going forward. Let's get it. keep with this moving, guys. The last one before we take another break here, number six on our board. Am I right here? Yeah, number six. Um, bowl, bowl legitimate prospect we got a sneak peek at bowl bowl which is great because we do i I was really worried we were gonna have to wait until obviously next season's you know summer league or something but we got to see him against real competition and he looked really good like he was i I, there's a lot of question marks i'm not saying he's arrived but at least like i am significantly more hyped about bowl bowl and the potential of bowl bowl than i was three months ago and and that's like really cool to me yeah i i would just say he looked way better than i thought he would um (laughs) he played in what eight nine g league games and he didn't look super out of place playing small (laughs) playing the three um (laughs) small forward (laughs) oh i hate you guys Um, we hate you too it's cool (laughs) no this was a great showing from bull in uh the scrimmage game in the seeding games it it was awesome because i wrote this kind of article about how everything was just kind of trending towards this point for him and if you ever looked at the pictures on usa today or any of the image uh sights of bull playing and dunking he was always smiling like ear to ear when he was dunking <laughs> yeah. the ball 
<laughs> and I thought that was just like so symbolic of how long of a path and how tough of a journey it's been for him to get to this point. Um, but I, I think he's a player. I said it after his first G League game. Uh, I mean, just the way he moves, his skill set at 7-2, how he handles the ball, how he shoots it, uh, how he deters shots at the rim. I mean, he is so unique. And I, I don't know if he can be like a 30-minute starter for Denver or for a team long-term. I think that's still to be determined. But I definitely think there's a place in a situation where he can be like a 15 to 20-minute guy playing high leverage minutes. I, I think that can be a clear role for him. What I like about Tim Conley is he gets these guys and a lot of times people are like, okay, well, this is the opposite of what we just talked about with Gary Harris, where people are like, okay, he's not really a player, but whatever this or that is second rounder. This re- fell for a reason. Then they turn out to be actually awesome. And it's just like, oh yeah. And Jokic was what you said he was, or Monte was what you thought he was. And I wonder if bull bull, if there's some of that too, because a part of me really thinks bull bull is not in Denver next year. I don't have any inside information on that, but I just worry. You just look at it and you go, okay, well, Denver, if they're going to get an actual impact, a Bradley Beal or a Drew Holiday, Gary Harrison, Bowl Bowl, and a first-rounder makes gets it done. Anything else does not get it done. So it makes me think if they do make a move, he's probably out the door. But there's this other part of me that knows Tim Conley loves his guys. Nope. This guy looks like he might be a game-changer. And I don't know. Maybe there's something cool about saying, no, we'll do it with our guys. And, and, and winning with Bowl Bowl would be a lot more fun than winning with Drew Holiday. If you if you can get it done, you have to determine which one gives you the best odds. But if you hit, if you said both were going to work, I think we'd all say, okay, let's do it with Bull Bull. <laughs> our own guys. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather win with Bull than win with Giannis. I don't know about you. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, all jokes aside, like Bull is the path to – I mean, the Nuggets can maybe push all of their chips in for a piece that gets them their first ever finals appearance and first ever finals. There are – uh, there's a little bit of noise, a little bit of talk about these Nuggets maybe having some of those 13 Warrior vibes. Their best chance at sustained success, but also uh, getting very ahead of ourselves here, influencing the game, impacting oh, the I'd game long term. Yeah. Uh, Lakers went to small ball. We've talked about it a lot. There's small ball, there's long ball, there's tall ball. And if you're going MPJ at two, great at three, bull at four, and a 6'11 point guard at the center <laughs> position, you have, you have changed basketball. <laughs> legitimately the coolest thing that you could possibly imagine yeah um that'll do it for part one of this guys check in on tuesday for part two where we talk about the big four takeaways that i think really define the denver nuggets season thanks for tuning in we'll be back again tomorrow A lot of us here at DNVR go to Green Mountain Dental Group if we need to just get our teeth clean, to get a cavity filled, if we need to get wisdom teeth out. They are awesome. We cannot recommend them anymore. They're located just 15 minutes from downtown Denver, and they've got an awesome perk for DNVR listeners. You guys can get a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam at Green Mountain Dental Group. I swear to God, maybe the coolest perk, uh, the most expensive perk, the most perk of value that any sponsor here at dnvr gives out is a free sonicare toothbrush and green mountain dental group will hook it up when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam so make sure to hit them up today they're located just 15 minutes from downtown denver again a lot of us here at dnvr already use them so they have our stamp of approval get a free sonicare toothbrush from green mountain dental group when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam